Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. Well, welcome again. If you're watching online or listening on Way FM in the room, we are in week four of the ABCs of Discipleship, and we have been basing these on a passage of Scripture in the book of Acts. And we're learning from the early church. What is it that helps us on that journey as we strive to honor God with the way we live? So let me read Acts 2, verses 41 through 47 as we get started. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved." We are walking through this journey that is for all of us. So people that are just beginning to check out, maybe they want to be a God follower, or for those of us who have been doing it our whole lives, there are steps in the journey that can help us. And we've been using the ABCs. Uh, week number one, Pastor Jimmy shared about accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And real important that we understand the concept here, that when we accept Jesus as Savior and Lord, we're not doing God a favor. You know, if you come to my house and, and I, you knock on the door and I'm in a good mood and I let you come in and I accept you into my home, I'm doing you a favor. That is not the meaning of the word here when we're accepting Jesus. When I accept Jesus as my Savior, that means I am accepting the fact that I am a sinner and there is absolutely nothing I can do about my sin and that Jesus came and died on the cross and paid for my sin. And God says, Gary, I'll accept that as payment if you want. When I am accepting Jesus as my Lord, it means I know that if I'm in charge, I'm gonna make a lot of mistakes. If I write my story, there are gonna be a lot of chapters I need to go back and edit. If I make the call, there's gonna be times I'm gonna fall off the cliff. But if I let Jesus be Lord, he will write a story so that I will have life to the fullest. So when we say accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior, that's what we mean. The second week, Matt talked about uh, being connected to the church and to a small group and the importance of that, how important it is when we come together in this room. How important it is when we meet with other Christians that we do life together, that we build those relationships that are deep and long-lasting. Last week, Matt shared about a C of ABCs of being a contributor, not just a consumer. And that there's a great joy in knowing that we are a part of something that when God takes all the parts and puts them together, something miraculous happens. And our time, talents, and treasures, when we contribute, then the church becomes what God wants the church to be. And so that we can all be a part of that. And this morning, we get to D, daily time with God. Now, as I process this this week, I realize that of all the alphabet that we're using so far, this may be the one we struggle with the most. I mean, there's something exciting about accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. We get baptized, our sins are forgiven, we receive the Holy Spirit, and we're like, wow, this is pretty amazing. And belonging to the church and belonging to having some close friends, that's exciting. And contributing and knowing that things happen because I'm a part of it. And then we get to daily time with God, 
And the majority of people that I talk to struggle in this area. Now, if you're one of those people this morning that doesn't struggle with daily time of God, you spend hours a day with God and, and you, it's a joy of your life, good for you. We're happy for you. It's where we long to be. But most of us in this culture are not there. We struggle with daily time with God. And so this morning, I just want us to look at some things maybe we're doing wrong and maybe ask some questions that can help us figure out how to do it so it becomes more meaningful to us and so it becomes something that we really desire and want to do on a daily basis. So when I look at this, I'm like, the early Christians were energized by their time with God. What's it take for us to be? So the first question I think is legitimate to ask is, what's in it for me? I mean, if I'm gonna commit a part of my time to something, don't we generally ask that? I mean, there has to be a benefit if we're gonna spend time, if we're gonna commit some time. I mean, I know we commit our time to a lot of useless things. I know we have multiple generations in here, so I know some of you have seen the same episode of Andy Griffith 400 times. Some of you have seen the same episode of Friends. For, I guess Seinfeld would be the next generation, wouldn't it? Some of you can quote every episode of Seinfeld. Some of you have seen every episode of Friends and bought the, the DVDs. Uh, they used to have those, or the VHSs. And some of you have seen every episode of Big Bang Theory and you watch it again. So it's not like we value all of our time because we spend a lot of time doing those kind of things. But if we're gonna daily spend time with God... What can we look for for benefit? And I just went through, and, and, and there are hundreds, but I just picked eight or nine out of scriptures that, that kind of popped in my mind and scriptures that I think you're familiar with. Psalm 119 says in verse 105 that spending time with God is a lamp to my feet and light in my path. That I spend time with God's word, then he's gonna let me know and he's gonna map out my journey for me and he's gonna make sure I don't fall over the cliff. It's like a guardrail at the top that keeps me from doing that if I spend time in his word. I love verse 130 of that same chapter because it says God's word is even for the simple to understand. That gives me hope that I can understand and it can be a vital part of my life each day. Ephesians 6 says that if I spend time in God's word and that if I learn God's word, then I'm equipped for every spiritual battle that I will fight. That every day when I get up, if I spend time in God's word, then I will have the armor that I need and I will be able to defeat anything that Satan wants to bring my way. Philippians 4 tells me that there is a supernatural peace that comes when I spend time with God. That when I am anxious and when I worry, that if I will go to God and spend time with him, then there's a peace that I can't explain that he will give me over those anxious times. Psalm 23, we're familiar with. It constantly talks about the benefit of spending time with the shepherd, the restored life, the rested life, walking through the valley of the shadow, you know, of how God walks through those times with us. All promises about spending daily time with God. Psalm 1 says people that meditate on the law day and night, they're like a tree that's planted by water that it always bears fruits and seeds and it leaf, its leaf never falls off and everything they do prospers. That's a pretty great promise for people that daily spend time with God. Isaiah 55, 11 says that anytime I pick up the word, it has impact. It says it will never return void. Anytime I pick up God's word and read it daily to spend time with God, it has impact. Romans 10, 17 says faith comes from hearing. How do I build my faith? Hearing the word of God. 
spending time with God. When I go, man, I'm just really struggling in my faith, then jump in and spend some time with him because that's where the faith comes from. John 15, Jesus said, if you abide with me in me, I'll do what? I'll abide in you. The promise of spending time with God. Those promises go on and on and on, and we don't even need eight or nine. You know, just one or two of those, we go, do you want that? And we would go, in our, our saner moments, we would go, yes, I want that. And he says, well, here's how you get it. You spend time with me. Then why is it so hard? Why, why do we beat ourselves up? Why do we constantly feel guilty? Why do so many of us say, I know I need to spend time with God. I'm just not doing it. Which makes me ask the next question. How's it going today? Because most of us can think back to a time, can't we? We can think to a time that, man, we were walking close with God. We're like, oh, I remember when I was in this group and I was in this Bible study. Man, it was just great. I can remember that. I, I used to. And, and it's, it's a lot like our physical journey, isn't it? I mean, if you walked in my office over there, there's this uh, plaque on the wall that has seven or eight medals from when I did triathlons. People go, oh, you do triathlons? I go, used to. You know, and then there's this thing about the bike ride we do to Key West. I've done a couple times. You rode your bike 300 miles to Key West? Used to. You know, and then I got this thing where I ran this 5K and this 10K. You run? Used to. You know, and a lot of my physical is used to. But the important question for me is, what am I going to do today so that I can be healthy? And some of us do the same thing spiritually. Oh, I used to read my Bible I remember when I used to go to a small group. I remember when the, I remember when there was this Bible study we did, and man, it was so life changing. And man, I heard from God every day, and, and I felt so close to God. And somebody asks you now, what are you doing? Well, I used to. It's a good question for us to ask. What's it going to be today? Question number three: Why is it so hard to incorporate this into our daily life? And I want to give you five reasons I think that it's hard. Because this will at least make us feel better about ourselves. One, it's so hard to incorporate because we get distracted by rituals. We like rituals. You know, and if we go to a retreat someplace and, man, we have this special prayer time and we light a candle and we say this prayer, what do we come back and do? Oh, I want to light a candle and I want to say this prayer. And we get caught up in the ritual and when we wonder why, you know, 30 days later it's not having impact. Uh, a few months ago, uh, I did a series back in the fall on the, on the Lord's Prayer. You remember that? I mean, every Sunday we said the Lord's Prayer together. And then about three or four Sundays after, we said the Lord's Prayer in here. And you know what we realized watching? It had just become a ritual. When we were studying the Lord's Prayer, man, when we would pray it every Sunday, you could see on your faces the power of praying the Lord's Prayer. By the eighth or ninth week, we were just ripping off of our Father. You know, it was not having much impact for us. And we like rituals, and sometimes we struggle because of that. Um, a second thing I think that makes it hard for us is we try to copy what other people do. Gary Thomas wrote a book uh, called Sacred Pathways. I, I would recommend it. Uh, it's kind of the, the spiritual journey book. Remember Love Languages that was out for marriages years ago? And if you're not familiar with the ideas that all of us speak in a love language, like my love language is words of affirmation, Linda's is acts of service, I'm telling her she's beautiful and she just wished I'd pick up my socks. You know, and, and, and that's, that's kind of the thing is just like you got to learn the love language 
that, you know, she'd rather me make the bed and tell her she's beautiful. You know, it's like those things. Well, the same thing is true with our relationship with God. And this book called Sacred Pathways gives us eight or nine. In fact, you can Google it and you can take a survey. It can even help you find, man, what are some things that might really help me instead of trying to do what everybody else does? Because maybe it's just me. If this isn't your struggle, then be patient for a minute. I hear what somebody else does and I go, man, they are so in touch with God. What do you do? And then I go and I try to copy it. Now, I get some good ideas from what people do, and I don't mind finding something that works occasionally and applying it, but sometimes I do what other people do, and then I feel bad because it just doesn't work for me the same way it works for other people. We've got to stop doing just because somebody else does something and expecting some kind of result. In Acts 19, you remember the story? They were called the sons of Sceva. They saw Paul cast out some demons, and so they they go and they find a guy with demons, and the sons of Sceva go, hey, in the name of Jesus and of Paul, we cast you out. The demon goes, I know Jesus and I know Paul, who are you? And he just beats them, just beats them up and leaves them naked in this house. And, And I'm like, sometimes we get beat up because we try to do what somebody else is doing for devotions, for daily time with God. And we just have to stop doing and stop copying. Matt and I are a good example of that. I asked Matt last week, I said, so tell me when you really feel connected to God. And he said, when I'm in my reading chair in the office and I'm reading a book on theology and I'm just seeing deeper levels of understanding about God's word. And I'm like, that would make me throw up. (laughs) I'm like, are you kidding me? That makes you feel close to God? That just gags me to think about reading books on theology, you know? (laughs) And he's like, so what do you do? I said, I love when I can get away for four or five hours of quiet time, just me, my Bible, and a journal. He said, you like to journal? I said, yeah. He goes, that would make me throw up. (laughs) And I'm like, you got to find, you got to find what works for you, not works for everybody else. And stop trying to copy what other people are doing. Number three, Sometimes it doesn't work because we operate from guilt instead of desire. If you go home tomorrow and say, okay, I feel beat up. I got to start spending time with God. You will get nothing out of it. It's kind of like if your spouse says, we don't spend enough time together. And you go, okay, what do you want to do? I don't think it's going to benefit you much. You know, and we can't do the same thing with God. At some point, we've got to read these promises. At some point, we've got to go on some level Wow, spending time with God will change my life. It'll make me a better person. It'll make me happier. It'll make me wiser. Wow, you have to be a real idiot not to spend time with God because of all the things that he promises. So we go home and we develop a desire to do it, but we don't do it from guilt. If we do it out of guilt, it never accomplishes anything. The fourth reason that sometimes it doesn't take or it's hard to incorporate this in our lives is we just do it wrong. You know, and you say, well, how can you do daily time with God wrong? Well, there are multiple ways. One is just to check off the box. You know, some of us have done that, haven't we? Remember when we read through the New Testament a couple years ago, and then we read through the Old Testament together, and, that, and some of you are in, in small groups where you do a reading every day. Be honest. How many times you, oh, don't raise your hand. Don't be that honest. How many times you just read it and go, I have to read it because they're going to talk about it this week. You know, we don't sit down and go, oh God, I know you can speak to my heart and you can make me a better person. I really want to hear what you have to say. We just go, there's Tuesday. I've got to actually have a Tuesday group. I'm going to read Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, Tuesday morning. You know, I'm going to catch up. I'm going to check it off. And we just read it. And, and that, the reason it doesn't work because it's wrong. Another reason it doesn't work, and this may 
touch some of you is just location. You try to do your quiet time while you're watching TV, <laughs> you know, you try to do it where everything else is going on. Some of you, probably nobody in this room, it was probably everybody in the last service. Some of you put your inspirational writings in your bathroom. And you go in every day and you think, oh, I'm reading a four-year-old copy of The Daily Bread. And then you go, I've had my quiet time. Listen, if you wouldn't invite your family into the bathroom for a family meeting, why would God want to be there? <laughs> and I just encourage you, some of you, you wonder why it's not working. During your quiet time, only one person needs to be on the throne, and that's God. <laughs> and that. The fifth reason... The fifth reason it doesn't work sometimes is we focus on the jam, not the bread. Now, what I mean by that is I love devotional books. We're doing Experiencing God in a couple of our men's groups. I love that. There's such insight. And there's a verse at the top, and then there's a lot of insight from Blackaby, the writer. That's the jam. The verse is the bread. Sometimes he shares a great story and later in the day I'll go, man, you should have heard the story in our devotional this morning. It was amazing. And I tell the story and then somebody say, well, what verse was that attached to? And I go, man, I don't know. It was a great story though. Sometimes we focus on the jam and we forget the bread. The jam doesn't change our lives. The bread does. And we need to study God's word. It's great that you have a devotional book that you read but the life-changing part is the verse you read every day before you read the devotional, not the devotional. And sometimes we just forget the bread and live on the jam. When you walk in here on Sunday mornings, man, when you walk out, I hope it's the bread that you remember. The jam is to help you remember the bread, but the bread is what's life-changing, not the jam. And sometimes if we don't focus on the bread, it just doesn't take. So what do we do? How do we spend time with God so that it's rewarding and it's continuing? Let me give you a few things. Number one, Determine your motive. You got to know the why. What's the motive? Why are you going to spend time with God tomorrow? If it's not because you want to know God more. Uh, a guy named Harrison wrote a great song years ago. My sweet Lord. Remember that? Remember the verses? I really want to know you. Or the course, I really want to see you. I really want to know you, Lord. That's got to be our heart. When we go into our quiet time, it's got to be, God, I'm doing this because I want to know you. I want you to transform me. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to hear you throughout the day. I don't want to just read something and check off the box. Motive will determine everything. The second is just decide your desired outcome. What do you want to happen because you spend time with God? You want to be able to go, well, when friends ask, I can say, I have a quiet time with God. Or do you really want to be transformed? Do you want his word to really change us to be better so that we can honor him, so that we can be light to our friends and to our neighbors and to our family? What's the desired outcome of spending time with God? Because if we express that as we go in and we know that we're going in saying, God, here's what I want to happen in this five minutes or 10 minutes or whatever it can be. I really want this to happen. And I think once we identify that, then the time becomes more beneficial and more life-changing. And then just know the how of your relationship. Again, do you. Don't copy other people. You know, don't let other people shame you. Don't let that good friend who is close to God say, well, I read an hour a week in the original language in Greek, you know, or I read theology books. Don't let them shame you <laughs> into doing that. Find what works for you. One of the frustrations I have with going to some Christian marriage seminars is there's a common thread in those often. And 
Linda and I have been married 43 years. <laughs> and I feel like we have as good a marriage as anybody I know. And, uh, but then we go to these seminars and they go, you really can't have a good marriage unless you pray together. Now, I told her I was going to say this and she didn't say not to. In 43 years, we have never had a, set, a dedicated prayer time together. I mean, we pray together once in a while. We get up every morning and get our coffee and I go to my office for my time with God and she has hers on the couch. We share prayer requests. But it bothers me when somebody says, you can't have a good marriage unless you pray together. I don't find that in the scripture. <laughs> but we shame people by saying, here's what you should do. Don't let somebody tell you what you have to do to have quiet time with God. You build a relationship with God the way you need to do that and make it your relationship. Now, again, if there's good things you want to try that other people do, that's a great way. But you find what works between you and God and you have a great relationship. And now if I get fired for not praying with my wife, I'll know why. <laughs> Number four, just commit to it. Commit to a time. Commit to a time where you say, this is when I'm going to do this. You know, and don't overdo it. I mean, don't go home tonight and feel guilty and go, I'm going to give at 3 o'clock and I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to pray for two hours. You won't do it. You'll just feel frustrated and you'll fail and then you say, well, I tried. Just pick a time, something that works for you. Something I'm doing right now, I would not suggest you do this, but I just, this works for me. I meet with a guy on Wednesday, a friend of mine, and we memorize scripture. And I'm going to get a new friend if he doesn't find smaller passages to memorize. But, but uh, some of them have been killing me. But I, I try to bring just a, a portion of that. And just so if the power's in the bread, find a piece of bread. Right now, mine is Ephesians 4.29. That's our last one we're learning. And it's like, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what's good for building others up. That's pretty easy to memorize. I try to have reminders of that all through the day. So if I grab my phone, I think, oh, no unwholesome. Let me make sure no words. No, no unwholesome. Why are they going to build each other up? And it's amazing how just grabbing one verse and just through the day, finding eight or ten times that I can bring that, that's daily time with God. That's just reconnecting in that relationship throughout the day. I read an interesting fact I know more useless information, I just realized, than any person should from reading. Uh, and uh, three years ago, the average time a person picked up their phone was 91 times a day. Three years ago. You know what it is now? 246. 2021, 246 times a day, the average person picks up their phone. Every time I pick up my phone, if I try to remember a scripture verse, man, think how much I'm going to know. Think how many times I'm going to connect with God through the day just to go, oh, God help me. You know, here, here's a good verse to memorize because it's a short one. Ephesians 5, 10 or 11, something in there. It says, find what pleases the Lord. What if every time I grabbed my phone, I went, ooh, find what pleases the Lord. You know, it's just a way that you find a way that works for you to connect with God on a daily basis throughout the day and see what a difference it makes. Jeremiah 29, 11. A lot of people have as their favorite scripture. They tattoo it on their body. They hang a plaque on the wall. It's the one that says, God, where God said to the children of Israel, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, plans not to harm you. That's a great verse. And I see people once in a while that will put that on Facebook and because something's going hard in their life or they're going through some hard time and they go, but I'm holding on to 2911. I know the plans I have for you to prosper you, not to harm you. And I encourage them, read verse 13. Because verse 13 says, when you wholeheartedly seek me, 
you will find me. That's the promise that should excite us. That when we wholeheartedly seek God, he will find us. Every day, God is ready. He's waiting. On our journey, on our path, daily, let's begin to find some way that works for us to build that relationship with him. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the bread. God, I thank you for your grace and your forgiveness because we spend so much time on so much useless stuff and then we use that as complaints that we don't have enough time to spend daily with you. God, forgive us. Father, I pray for every person in this room, every person listening online. I pray that this week they find something, some way to daily connect with you that will enhance the relationship, that we'll be able to begin to live those promises that you've made. Thank you for your faithfulness. God, may we increase ours. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.